Hello and welcome to Saladcast. And Glyn, we're back. It's a normal podcast and we've got football to talk about. I know, we've got to episode three this season without actually, you know, recording on a Sunday in our usual slot. So, um, yeah, we've obviously had a, a bit to cover over COVID and some of the preseason news we had in the last episode and our predictions. But yeah, we are back on a Sunday night and I am, I'm I'm actually recording this early, Ollie, because I just said to you, I'd got back from a day out and uh, normally we wait till sort of half seven, eight o'clock, don't we, to record. But what is it now, half five? I, I couldn't wait to get into this episode because of an exciting game, Ollie. So yeah, bring it on, I see. Yeah. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. Now, I did actually create this agenda quite a long time ago, but we've had so little news that we actually thought we would actually normally would have done a few extra podcasts. But because we had no transfer news, um, we didn't do any um, any kind of um, pre- too many preseason pods. So we're going to do it a little bit differently today. We're going to start with Salat News, um, talk a little bit about who, which players we signed and then the backroom changes because they happened obviously before the Borough game. Um, and then we'll close pre-season. And then, yeah, we'll get into the Borough game, which is the first game that Shrewsbury Town have had, um, a kind of competitive game, for 181 days. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a long time that was, not it, Ollie? And, and obviously, we should just say, we went on Radio Shropshire, didn't we, after the game um, on Friday night as well, and yeah. had a chat with Mark Elliott about the football as well. And I think the overriding message from that and, and some of the other callers I heard was just a love of being able to kind of watch your team again, you know. And it's not the same, it's it's a stream. Yeah. Um, but the, the the distance in time since we last played, which is longer than most summers, isn't it, obviously? And um, the, the actual performance, I suppose, and the, the fact that, yeah, people were still socially distanced, i.e. they were in their own homes. But I think that... You know, we've talked about social media and, and the Shrewsbury Town fan base quite a lot, haven't we, Ollie, in terms of you know Twitter and what it brings to certain discussions and how much fun it can be. But I, I felt like it was kind of people, even on the sort of social media, reconnecting with the game and chatting and talking about things that was going on. And again, I'd, I'd kind of miss that as well. So you know, not what I want. I want to be back in the football stadium, but certainly an enjoyable Friday night. That's for sure, Ollie. Yeah, obviously prefer to be um, you know at the stadium mm. with my mates and way around me, chatting to you before a game as you normally do, sitting a few rows in front of me. But that is, for me, it was that kind of the way day experience, wasn't it? The Tuesday night or the, the Saturday when you decide not to go and kind of watch your life. <laughs> it was that uh, that kind of day. But yeah, it's good bit of banter on um, on Twitter and sharing your thoughts. Yes. Um, and yeah, some plenty to talk about. Um, and it was yeah an encouraging start to the season, I thought. So yeah, maybe let's get into the transfers and then we can get onto the game. Veteran Nigel Jensen made no mistake with this spot kick. So we'll start this episode, as I say, with sort of sad news up front, Ollie. We normally do it at the end, don't we? But um, as we're still in pre-season and this this season has sort of started in a funny way, really, um, with a with a long transfer window, Ollie, we might keep the news up front, really, depending on how many players players we sign between now and October. But um, yeah, before we get into the first game, obviously it's worth wrapping up pre-season with the, the two new signings and obviously what we did in pre-season, just in case anyone wasn't really aware of it, because I know some people kind of leave those pre-season results in the background. But first signing, Ollie, to cover, um, quite an exciting one, I thought, was Marlon Fossey. Um, a 22-year-old right-back on loan from Fulham um, with crazy hair by the look of it. Um, so on the face of it, reading some of the stuff, and, and we'll go through Ricketts' comments and, and, and some research you've done, Ollie, but for me, on the face of it, uh, quite an exciting signing and, and a player in a position we definitely needed right-back. Yeah, definitely. Some extra cover. And there is some debate amongst the fans, and Sam Ricketts did help us discuss, talk about this, where Sears is both a right-back and a centre-back. I mean, he's probably, it's no disservice to him, um, but he's probably more of a defensive, maybe in the James Bolton kind of mould, mm. um, right back. 
and I think probably long term he'll be a central defender. Um, but yeah, good to have some extra cover in it right back, and someone who's going to put some pressure on Love um, and potentially will offer something else um, going forward as well. Yeah, international for I think the America's youth system isn't he? he's been playing I think under under eighteens yeah. and under twenty ones and talking about you know maybe using this as a chance to push on you know get maybe maybe play higher up the pyramid then and, and try and get into the American you know international system. It's just pretty difficult when you look at players like Pulisic I suppose. But um, you know we'll have to see how he gets on this season whether he can. Use Use it as a stepping stone, like we've seen Ben Godfrey and, and Dean Henderson, for example, do. He certainly got a really good chance, and I suspect poor old Lovey. I don't quite know where he's going to end up at this season, but I suspect old Fossey's going to get a fair chance this season to show what he's got. He's 22. He's not totally raw, Ollie, so um, he's going to. He's certainly going to get a chance to, to play more games than he's played before. Um, had a bit of an injury record, didn't he, Ollie? Which is the only thing for us to worry about, I suppose, yeah. and that's set him back, which is why he's barely played a game at the age of 22. But uh, fingers crossed, he, he doesn't have a recurrence of that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. So I um, reached out to um, our football friends uh, and I've reached out to the Fulhamish podcast, which is a really good podcast. Um, they get, they've get got a lot of respect there. You hear, sometimes you hear them on BBC yeah, okay. and, and Five Live and TalkSport. Um, really good guys, really good podcast. Um, so what did they have to say? They said he's got massive potential. Um, hopefully he can step it up on loan. He's a nice, attacking, well-rounded right back. Not lightning, but that's compared to championship players and maybe even Premier League players, but definitely quick. Um, he, he said that um, he'd definitely be playing for us. He'd not got a major injury wow. um, um, 18 months ago of knee ligament injury, which kind of links nicely onto what Sam Rickett said. So he said he's a young player of huge potential. He's really unfortunate to get an injury and he was going to make his debut at 18. Um, but he's, he was fit before lockdown and he's been training through lockdown. Um, and as Sam Rickett says, he's someone who's been chasing for quite for 18 months now. So that's really exciting yeah, to okay. get someone who's... Obviously, their fans obviously rate really highly. Um, and someone who Sam Ricketts has been after for a while, so that bodes well. Yeah, I think he also said he's he's a very athletic player, isn't he? And I think Ricky yeah. said he can get up and down the line well, and has got a bit of a gymnastics background. So, um, yeah, obviously going to be a, a pretty flexible kid. Um, so, yeah, again, I said exciting to me. I mean, yes, and something else you said as well about um, about like I think it's worth noting. We have a lot of games. It's going to be a really packed season, isn't it? So probably rotation is probably going to be a little bit more um, going to happen a lot more than normal. So I think having two, you know, first team right backs probably won't be a problem, especially as the way we're going to play, which we'll come on to later. I, I, yeah, I say, I guess it's going to be a case of, of him and Love battling out really in the early parts of the season. It's yep. interesting. Love obviously started in Middlesbrough, but if he's coming back from a knee ligament injury, it's not the sort of injury you rush people back from. Obviously, we're doing the similar thing with Norburn at the start of the season, aren't we? In terms of he's back, but we're not going to rush him into action soon. So, yeah, let's 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 hopefully see the best of him in this opening period and, and hope he can be one of those good loan signings. I mean, Ricketts he doesn't have the worst record with loan signings, does he? Yeah, I suppose we're probably hitting um, better than our average at the moment with his loan signings. They've done okay when you think of Doherty's and um, some of the other ones we've had. So yeah, fingers crossed he's, he's another hit, Ollie. Yeah, no, it should be good. And we also made one other signing. Who is that going? Yeah, thanks, Ollie. Um, Mattia Sarkic. <laughs> <laughs> Mattia Sarkic. I think that's what I'm going with at the moment. That's probably not right. I mean, um... we need the Stuart Dunn. Um, <laughs> Um, official pronunciation. We do. And that's how we normally do it. I didn't catch him saying it during the commentary of the Middlesbrough game, so uh, we'll pay attention for that one. But yeah, another kid that's not quite a kid. He's obviously 23 now, um, goalkeeper on loan from Wolves. So uh, we're keeping that Wolves connection going. Um, So yeah, what what do we we know about Sarkic so far, Ollie? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Before um, um, Wolves went out and signed a football manager wonder kid, um, (laughs) Silver, um, he was their only signing. So it was ah. quite funny. Um, yeah, we, they signed him when we came on loan to us straight away. Um, so yes, he was born in England, raised in Belgium, uh, but he's a Montenegrin international. He's currently away with Montenegro at the moment. Um, he has been on loan at Livingston 
Um, and Sam Ricketts said he's a really good play, young player who did really well last year at Livingston. Would like to have him here. He's got a really good prospect. Brian, Jen- Brian Jensen and myself are really looking forward to working with him, and he's a great addition to the team. Mm. So I think it's fair to say. I wouldn't say necessarily he is a um, maybe an O'Leary or a, a Henderson kind of loan signing. I wouldn't say that there was a, a you know an expectation that he's going to be miles ahead. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if you sign a Manchester United youth player or even a player like O'Leary who'd played ten games in the Championship, you'd think you know they expect them to start. So I would say that he's there for competition. Maybe he'll be the first choice at the end of the season, but I mm. think this is a battle that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, again, loan keepers. We've not done too bad over the years, have we? With some of the ones we had in, we obviously no. mentioned two there, but there's obviously players like Steve Phillips and and other ones we've had um, that have done well. Daniels, I suppose, was another loan keeper. So he's coming into a club where we kind of respect our loan keepers, um, and and they tend to, to reward us with that respect. But yeah, it's going to be a tricky one to discuss him too much, having seen what happened in the first game to poor Harry Burgoyne and, and deciding who's going to be number one. But certainly, you know, they're both of a similar age, and they're both going to have a, again, like Fossey and Love, they're both going to have a chance to push on and maybe make number one them you know that starting lineup position they're their own really so who knows what's going to happen you know it's going to be an interesting one um to see which way Ricketts goes with it um but he's got a good chance of, of playing regularly um and yeah it's, it's not many Montenegrins we've ever had I just I think he's pretty much the first one we had and we don't get many internationals either so the international weekends are going to be interesting if he does establish himself as first choice Harley because we obviously have different international windows for the sort of CONCACAF the the Aaron Pierre's the the Grenadian stuff is not not quite the same time period um, sometimes as, as um, the European window. I don't think maybe they've, maybe they've made a difference this, this season. But So we might only have two internationals this year, which means we might miss Pierre. We might miss our first-choice goalkeeper, which could leave us in a bit of a tricky situation at times, Ollie. Well, yeah, I guess you mean Burgoyne will get a chance yeah, unless true. he's starting already. So, and also then Cameron, Cameron Gregory will come off the bench. Yeah. So, yeah, good to see we've got three players in that position anyway. So I think we're well stocked there. So that's two positions that we've crossed off, which we probably won't need to talk about in terms of transfers. Probably. Depends how good they are. I think it's worth maybe just also just covering off this section by talking about backroom changes as well. Mm. Um, so so um, so Barrow, the assistant manager, left. And John Pitts, who was the performance um, coach, um, consultant, had left. So both of those left. And um, I presume um, there is a little bit of code in there. But I think Barrow also was maybe a bit of choice for him as well. Um, but that means that Dean Whitehead gets a chance and he's promoted now to assistant manager. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, any thoughts on that, Glenn? Barrow was an interesting one. I, th- I thought I read somewhere, Ollie, and I, I, might, I might have got this slightly wrong, is there was some sort of reasons why Barrow left to do with, with health issues and, and, and getting older, I think. So yeah. I think that was I was fine and maybe an understandable thing. And, and it's helped the club, let's be honest, during this COVID period, cutting a couple of staff members off the books is pretty helpful in terms of the budget. So that's fine. More surprised with Pitts. Obviously, you, you, you met him and sat down with him, looked him in the eye and, and sort of listened to him and, and Ricketts talk in that meeting we had at the start of last season a couple of times. Um, and they seemed a really strong unit, Ollie, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that, that did surprise me to see Pitts leaving when you know Ricketts had been so strong and had been so vocal in his backing of John Pitts and what he was bringing. And I don't know, we can't say there's been a breakdown in the relationship. We know nothing about it, but I did find that a bit of an interesting one. Yeah, I think without um, oh, let's put it a different way. I was chatting to a friend of mine um, who works for the um, for a consultancy, and he said that his business is quiet. Mm. So maybe let's put it down to that. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, paying for those kind of things um, with, with a reduced budget. Um, I'm sure um, Sam Rickers probably want um, Pitts to say. Yep. Um, but we don't know. It could be that John Pitts is too busy now with his other uh, commitments, True, so he yeah. couldn't. So got absolutely no idea. Um, but I'm I'm sure it's all um, on a favourable ground. Um, but then it's worth just kind of covering off because um, 
no, it isn't just that we've got Dean Whitehead. That isn't the backroom staff. So the back, the rest of the backroom staff for this season is we've got Brian Jensen as the goalkeeping coach, Andy Johnson as the fitness coach, um, Jordan Beach as the physio, um, Greg Jones as a sports therapist. And I believe we do have an analyst, but I've never seen their name um, on the website. So while obviously we've lost two people, um, there's still a strong team there. Yeah. Um, and it's not just um, the manager on his own with, with Dean, Dean Whitehead. And, and what you've just described, I did a bit of research because Lewis Cox was kind of asking questions on Twitter about you know backroom staff and and you know are we one one or two short really compared to other clubs and actually we're not really um most clubs run with sort of the f- sort of five coaches if you will Ollie, um taking away the sort of um physio and, and sports therapist and really if we're, we're missing one position then there's maybe a role there for just an additional coach because obviously you've got an you've got a, a specialist goalkeeper for coach you've got a fitness coach sometimes you do have an additional coach but it's not necessary some clubs are running without it it depends on your manager doesn't it um, obviously, we we found out from um, first hand that um, Sam Ricketts likes to be involved. So maybe if he was a more of a you know, let's call it maybe an Alex Ferguson school where he didn't do training, then probably would definitely need another coach. But because he's so hands on. Um, I guess that's not um, it's not going to be a loss as much if that makes sense and you saw the video that Shrewsbury put out just before the start of the season of the sort of training day that they had there and, and that was a real insight in that Whitehead and Ricketts you're right were really all over training they took every aspect of training that you could sort of see on that video they were vocal shouting you know Sam Ricketts looked like the PE teacher with his little notebook and his, his, his sort of <laughs> clipboard taking notes during training and really getting at players and, and really trying to push them on to do their best in training and we don't we don't see that, that work on the training ground often so if you get a chance to watch that video I think it's worth it just to see how training's working with this new setup and, and um, as I say the, the other two guys you mentioned there um, uh, Whitehead and uh, I saw Johnson as well they were they were into it as well especially Johnson with the fitness work so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting it, it'll be a three of them sort of leading on really on a match day um, and, and fingers crossed obviously it's a good connection it, Dean, Dean Whitehead is an interesting one he's not even been here that long and he's obviously promoted to assistant manager but Clearly, from everything I've read, Ricketts talking about um, and their relationship previously during their football career, they're very close. And he obviously places a lot of um, stock in Dean and Whitehead's, um, you know, uh, coaching ability and probably friendship. And um, that might be a nice connection, really, in some respects. Yeah, no, it's definitely something to be interested to see and be interested to know, you know, what influence he had in terms of the tactic changes as well. But um, yeah, just kind of finish off, Glenworth, maybe happy for you to do it. So maybe just run through pre-season just to give people, uh, because not everyone follows it um, football as closely as we do. Mm. Yeah, so we've had a fair few games and uh, obviously we haven't been able to see any of them and the press weren't on some, some of them. All we got was the sort of uh, Shrewsbury Town Twitter account. Just And I don't think the media team no, were at some of them either. No, it's, it's been a bit sparse really, but a very mixed bag in terms of pre-season results if you're taking it. Um, played Ballatown at Telford and won 3-0. Um, played Nuneaton Borough at Telford um, and won again with goals from Pierre Sears and Ryan Barnett. Um, should just say the reason we kept playing at Telford was because our pitch has, has been re- relayed or resurfaced or something like that and um, they just wanted to give it as much time to, to look good as it can and uh, looking at the latest pitches they put out it looks fantastic now so I'm more than happy reckon Telford's new pitch they had laid as well so that's fine um, but we played another game at Telford against Walsall um, and lost 1-0 uh, then we played Stoke um, at the Stoke training ground and lost 5-1 which had a few people a little bit worried at first but um, a lot of that was a, a youth team I think second half pretty much and, and they got a bit robbed so uh, sorry a bit battered not robbed um, and then we played Burnley at their training ground and won 2-1 which was the opposite of the Stoke result really is a very impressive result looking again at the team that Burnley put out where they had quite a lot of premiership players who, who played yeah, regularly yeah that was a really really strong yeah. team you see the result and you're like oh okay yeah but what was it and then you look at the team and you're like oh actually that's quite a good mm-hmm. result mm-hmm. so yeah Wally and High with the goals in that game which was a bit 
bit of a, a look forward to high in the first game, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then, yeah, that's pre-season over, apart from they've just announced another game on Tuesday night at Alport, which uh, Alport, um, which is described as a Shrewsbury Town eleven. Um, so I suspect you might see a few of the fringe players that have not weren't, weren't did, involved. Yeah. No one who's... Anyone, you wouldn't expect the players that started... To be in that. No, I wouldn't be surprised to see Norbert and maybe get a run out for a little bit of time. That's just me saying it because you wouldn't want to throw him straight into a game on Saturday if he was going to play. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of the guys that didn't get involved on the, on the Middlesbrough game, but I, I'm pretty tempted to go to that, Ollie. To be honest with you, you can actually go. It's 200 tickets available um, at Whitchurch Oldport, and if you want to see you know a Shrewsbury Town team run out at any point for, to start your season, then maybe that's a good one to go to. So I might go to that, Ollie, and I might report back on it. And even if it's just a chance to see some of the youth players, I think for the podcast and personally for me, in the middle of doing football manager statistics and trying to update our, our information in the database for Football Manager 2021, it might be a good uh, chance for me to go and see some of these young lads. So I'll, I'll probably go to that and, uh, and bring, a, bring a report on that next week, Holly. Yeah, I might think about it, mm. see how long it takes. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so I think that finishes pre-season. Um, yep. And I guess it's worth probably jumping into the game now. Acting well for possession. This is low. Good pace from low. And onside here, it's Dwayne Darby. Shrewsbury Town the lead with his fourth goal for the club. So, Middlesbrough four, Shrewsbury Town three. Um, yeah, there was no fans, so that's what we normally talk about <laughs> at this point. We talk about attendance. Um, first game for 181 days, as we said. Um, and then there was three debutants in the in the team, which isn't too bad considering you know it's a new season and yeah. it's League One and we have a lot of churn. Um, it wasn't so bad. So the lineup was in a in a in a four three three. We had Harry Bowen in goal. We had Love at right back, Williams, Ebanks, Landall on goalboard, and then we had Walker, Sitton, Edwards, and High in central midfield, and then we had in kind of a narrow front three: Cummings, Pike, and Worley. Um, so yeah, good, good, good lineup win, and kind of what I expected. wasn't quite sure I expected to see Walker start, but the vast majority of that team is what we expected. Yeah, I'm, I'll go back and maybe have a look at this on Monday morning when I've got a bit, a bit of time to look at it. But you know, only having sort of three debutants in a first game of the season match for Shrewsbury's got to be quite low. Normally, it's a lot higher, isn't it, with the churn we seem yeah. to have every summer? So I think that does again back up something Ricketts was saying to us, and also said at the start of uh, sort of the lockdown period that you know teams that keep their, their squad together and, and don't have that much of a changeover in terms of personnel might you know benefit now from this short short sort of season we're going to have because they're going to know each other's games. You won't maybe need that settling in period that other teams who maybe have got you know six, seven new starters are not going to need really um, and with games coming thick and fast that might pay off in the long run so be, be interesting to see, see if that happens I suspect there'll be more of the new lads introduced over the next few weeks however and, and we'll have to see where we are in say late September but yes yeah, starting lineup. Yeah. You, you you couldn't really point too many fingers bearing in mind Vela was suspended um, Norburn still injured and yeah. Pierre was the, the main one for me Ollie. just you know I was worried where he was because he's my main man and, and our player of the season but again another player carrying a knock that we didn't know about Yeah I think it's a really good point you mentioned there Glenn about um, the team being quite settled and know each other and then you mentioned Pierre Vela Norbert and Goss mm. four players that you would say are first team regulars you know in the squad from first match day every week um, so that just does say that you know there's obviously quite a lot of familiarity still on the bench and in the reserves to come in so where was Goss then I didn't know I forgot about Goss I don't know whether he just had a bit of a knock or something uh, okay. in training um, I guess they've been working them really hard maybe that's maybe we've had a couple of knocks 
Uh, maybe that's why he wasn't tested. Yeah, I mean, Goss would start over Walker every day of the week, I suppose, wouldn't he, at the end of the day? But it was a chance for Walker to, to show what he had, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go on. And he did well, to be fair. He did, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> we watched it on iFollow. Um, I know I found out by complaining to a guy called Carlo at iFollow, um, there was, I found out how you changed the audio. So that was yes, that was helpful. Quite not funny, because it still didn't work. <laughs> not initially, no. We're, the whole the whole iFollow thing, again, it's probably something that a few fans are starting to only do for the first time this season, really. And, you know, logging on, and, and I think I mentioned it on the radio, but I had my brother, my mum and dad, my two kids all in the front room with a laptop and a HDMI cable into the big telly. And, and it looked quite well once we figured out how to get onto the Shrewsbury commentary, which, as you say, didn't start for three minutes. But it was good to get done. And I think that the, the delay was probably okay in the end. It started off about maybe five, six seconds, seconds off, and seemed to just sort itself out after a while. So, you know, a pleasurable watch and um, you know, you know, not not TV standards, but we are getting replays now, Ollie, the scores on the screen. It's it's yeah. not it's not a rough watch like it was in the early days of iFollow, is it? No, you get stats as well, quite a lot of detailed stats, which is quite good. Um and yeah, so it was it worked all right as as things go. I think compared to where it was and it where started one and it is a league one. You know, we are a league one team. Um, I think I think I've got to say it's it's all works okay as long as we have to have too many mishaps. Some people were driven mad by because they weren't able to figure out how to switch commentary and they had to listen to BBC yeah. Radio Tees throughout the whole game, which I think yeah. would have made me throw the laptop out the window at would some have, point. <laughs> yeah, that would have wound me up. <laughs> so I'm glad that you, you helped everybody on Twitter try to switch to the correct commentary. But interesting, obviously it's a different experience for us and um, you know we we talk about different experiences for everyone who's not there, but you know, Lewis Cox was there for radio uh, for uh, Shropshire Star. Dunny was there doing the commentary from the game, but I believe that was it in terms of you know media outside of the the Shrewsbury Town media team. And poor Mark Elliott has been given a bit of a task this season. He has to sit in the studio back in Shrewsbury, watch I follow, and then try and do co-commentary with Stu Dunn, who's you know maybe up to four or five seconds ahead of him. And it was interesting at one point. It was fifty seconds. They they've been <laughs> Stu Dunn mentioned. It. I think he was like fifty seconds ahead. Oh God. Um, so yeah, so that's quite a delay. And fair play, it just shows how good a co what a professional Stu Dunn is because he could remember that. Yeah. Before he asked Mark Elliott a question about the football, that he was giving a fifty seconds delay, so it just shows what a professional Mark Elliott is. Uh, I'm sorry, Stu Dunn is, they both are, yeah. and Mark Elliott as well to try and keep up with it. Hard so work. It worked okay in the end. Yeah, I think after the sort of first ten minutes where they kind of figured out what to do, it, it, it the rest of the commentary you wouldn't even notice that was an issue, would you? So, yeah, fair play. But it, you know, an interesting one again about COVID and and saving people going up there and, and reducing radio shops' risk. Obviously, they asked us to go on the radio, and I forgot to come on, didn't I? A few weeks back, Ollie, which I got shouted <laughs> at by Mark Elliott. About but normally I would go up to Radio Shropshire and I'd go into the studio and do it there. It's just easier for me to do it. I don't live very far away, but they won't even let anyone in the studio now. So again, you know, the way that the, the football club's been covered in the media is going to be different. And again, we'll just sort of note that as we go through the season, I guess. I suppose, you know, hopefully when the trials are allowed, maybe Mark Elliott will be allowed back. But all in all, it was good commentary, I thought, actually. Really, really exciting game. And then they, they really helped it with the commentary, I think. Yeah, it worked okay. and worked fine for me. Yep. Um, and then stuff. obviously the game kicked off, but just as it's going to kick off, um, there was um, a um, show of solidarity um, oh, yeah. towards in with Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I, I mean, guess must be the first chance. Obviously, it's been going on since what happened in America all those months ago now, hasn't it? And obviously, the Premiership came back, and, and all sports have been doing their sort of um, acknowledgement of the of the campaign. I suppose in terms of um, where we're at, and I guess this was it must have been the first time we've done it. It must have been. So yeah, I noted the club yeah. put out a message as well, um, saying saying a similar message didn't they, on their social media, and met with some mixed responses, which is a bit unfortunate, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I don't have a problem with it happening before games, and I. I don't know how long it'll last for. I mean, they did it for every Premiership game, didn't they? All the way through to the, the finish of the season, yeah. didn't they? So I'm not sure. 
sure how long it'll last for, but I guess it's until the football authorities think the message has got through um, that they're trying to purvey. So we'll, we'll see what happens, I suppose. Yep, we'll see what happens with that. And what was your kind of thoughts going into the game? So it's funny because I was chatting to Phil Thomas, who was asking me some advice how to, how to get Google Chrome to work. <laughs> um, so I was helping him with that and chatting to him about the football. And I was really excited to see Shrewsbury play. And I even tweeted out after about 10 minutes just how great it was to watch Shrewsbury play again. Um, but I was also a little bit nervous because... Um, this was a Borough Championship side. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect. Um, how, what were your kind of thoughts just before kickoff? Ah, glorious. As I said, I had the family here. We knew we were going to get some chips at half time, so I was looking forward to that regardless of what happened in the match. But um, yeah, it was just nice to have... It, I kind of got that social experience I get a little bit as well with it, which is kind of another thing that people are missing. Just going off on a tangent, Ollie, I went to pick some fanzines up from uh, a Shrewsbury Town fan and his son who live out in Telford. And um, we got talking, as you do, socially distanced. And, um, you know, we were saying to him, you know, have you got a season ticket this year? And he was like, no, I haven't got a season ticket this year. He said, from coming from Telford and with everything going on, I just didn't see it was necessary. And obviously we're a thousand season tickets down, so he's He's one of a few people that's probably done that. But he was also saying that even if he had a season ticket, he'd find it difficult because he wouldn't get to meet up with his mates before the game and have that social side of it. So, you know, we've just talked about this a minute ago, but from my excitement levels, I was fun. It was looking forward to watching a game. It was the first one. It's new. It's 181 days. We're bang into it and and everyone was there and and the whole family was quite excited. But I I do wonder how much that's going to feel like when we get into like mid-October, if we're still not allowed, for example, and we're watching streams of of Town lose 2-0 away at Lincoln or something like that. You know, maybe not going to have the shine this first game ad but for the first game it was exciting Ollie I think you know that kickoff it was it was a nice moment I would watch a whole season and I wouldn't care <laughs> really oh I'd miss it too yeah, much if, if we couldn't go in I wouldn't care well it would obviously I'd prefer to be in the ground but there's no way I would ever think of not watching it because no. it's on life if that makes sense or you'd shout to me if I didn't watch it because you'd say think of the podcast but uh... <laughs> you wouldn't be able to not watch really, no especially when we're going to get a lot of the home streams for free and the away game. I mean, we should just talk about it. The away games are only a tenner, aren't they? I mean, it's a, saving yeah. me a lot of money from actually going to games. But um, as soon as I get the chance to go back to away games, I certainly will. So, yeah, I, I was excited, Ollie. I think that, and, and again, the message kind of over social media and, and everything with Shrewsbury fans was one of excitement, wasn't it? We were really happy to see our boys in blue and amber running out again. Yeah, it was. And we get to talk about football again. Hooray. So, and town started better than I expected, I thought. Um, it was the first 10 minutes, kind of not a lot really happened. But I was quite impressed with how Shrewsbury started, um, and it was clear that we were going to try and play the play football on the ground. Um, and it's clear that obviously you'd expect from a Neil Warnock side, he's not a long ball hoof side, but they do get the ball forward as quick as possible. Mm. Um, and it's fair to say that they are huge; <laughs> all their players are huge. Um, but yeah, I thought the start wasn't too bad. It's um, better than I expected, I think. Let's be honest. We've seen the team line up. There's four defenders. There's three attackers who all look like they want to get at players. And and fundamentally, it just is a more interesting kind of style of football to watch, isn't it? Whether it's going to pay off or not, we shall see. But, you know, just the start of it, the the fact they clearly had been being told all summer, play in a different way, different mindset, think about football in a different way, you know, but don't, you know, forget your defensive responsibilities. And you can see they were trying to implement that and they were trying to impress, I thought. And I think that's why we had that good start. I think it was a case of coming out to say to the fans, to the manager, OK, we've got this and, and we're going to give it a go. Yeah, we started really well. Um, and it didn't take too long um, for us to have um, a, um, let's say, um, a draw-dropping <laughs> moment. Um, so um, Goldborn wins a, a smart free kick, and he did this quite a few times, and it's good to have this experience inside. I do find it frustrating watching football when a fullback goes down quite easily, Yeah, but sometimes... Um, it, it, when it's your own side, it doesn't. Really, you don't really mind too much. So he wins a smart free kick. He plays it short to Worley. He runs into space. He plays a sideways pass to High, who takes one touch 
and absolutely fires it into the top corner and the keeper had absolutely no chance. And my draw literally just dropped. I was like, wow, <laughs> football's back and what a goal. It was a superb goal, wasn't it, Going. That's brilliant. What, what a first goal of the season, you know, similar to John's yeah. last year against uh, Portsmouth yeah, where he rifled one in and, um, you know, people were comparing it to that goal. Another goal that it made me remember of a, of a sort of young loan player on loan from a, a team higher up the pyramid and obviously went on to do well was Gilfie Sigmundson's first goal for Shrewsbury at the Meadow and, um, you know, a, a reasonably good long-range strike and a very crisp strike like that that felt like it was still rising it is hit the net so you know if he goes on to do as well as Gilfie Sigurdsson <laughs> he'll be doing quite well only Scott <laughs> yeah no it was a really really good goal and absolutely superb and yeah it was good to see also, it was nice to see Edwards as well joking with Hyde yeah. um, imagine what you can imagine what he said um, and it was a really really good start really good start to the game um, and I think so yeah Town kind of yeah carried on um, playing football as we as we saw, mm. um, played some really nice football. Um, Town won um, one possession, played the ball out to Love, who played it out to Cummings, who ran down the right flank, and he crossed the ball with his right foot, um, which is left footed. So it was good to see he's got that in his locker. Um, and Pike, um, bit of a stretched toe, um, and put it over the bar. Mm. Um, do you think it maybe is a bit of a high foot, Glenn? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I probably would have got called up if he'd have scored. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. um, he, he showed a bit of physicality and, and and got something on the ball. It wasn't the most natural finish you've ever seen, and uh, and, and we'll see what his finishing is like. Obviously, we've got a couple of moments coming up where you've seen the best and worst of him probably in, in a game. But um, yeah, a, a decent effort. And and for me, really, Cummins was the one that stood out in this opening period. I think everyone was playing okay, but he really looked like he had the sort of the, the, the sort of metal between his teeth and, and wanted to really have a go at running out players and on that sort of outside right, which which Ricketts told him told us he was going to probably play um, he looked a, a different player really in some respects from from someone that got a bit bogged down at times last season so um, I thought he had a really good game and I think actually if you were looking at his best period it was probably during the first half an hour really where he maybe looked his most dangerous I know he didn't he didn't get his goal at that point in time but for me he he certainly showed us that he's he's got something to offer in that sort of attacking right right what do we call that I'm, inside, inside inside forward, forward. Oh, yeah inside forward I'm gonna, it's going to annoy me this season Ollie but yeah okay it's a football manager term <laughs> it, is, it is that people use it's an inside forward, but yeah, basically the um, so basically you have a winger, and it's basically kind of I guess the most famous example is Robin and Ribery at mm, Bayern. Yeah. So you put a player, so obviously old school English winger, right footed right winger, so you cross the ball. Where an inside forward is, um, so on the right wing would be left footed and cuts inside so he can shoot. So it's what Raheem Sterling does for Man City, um, and I think it's just worth saying because we mentioned on the podcast, didn't we, that Cummings was going to play on the right. And immediately he had some fans going, oh, that's not going to work. Yeah, and yeah it's, I think it's just worth, it's just a good reminder that you just got to wait and see how it works out because you don't know. Um, you don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah, and, and obviously he can play in that formation. I don't think we're going to worry about him looking at that performance. And another thing my brother mentioned when we were watching the game and we were talking about today was that having you know the one striker up there, whether that's Pike or Ado, um, and Ado could probably play off, off, off the main striker as well, is that actually you get. Sean Wally in the team which was difficult at times last season wasn't it Ollie you know he, he was sort of shoved into a few positions but he gets Sean Wally in the team where he can actually play his game the one where he's running at players yeah. being creative and again you know let's be honest about it he, he has been one of our better players over the last few years and we, we will probably need him in the team at this season so it, it does unlock Sean Wally as well so I, I do like that front front three as it is now I'm not sure about who will end up playing where and for, 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 for the rest of the season but if it's the three that played on Saturday I probably wouldn't have too many problems with that but I can see maybe 
um, Ado getting a, a bit more of a chance as well during the season as it goes on. So, and, and maybe another striker coming in. Who knows? So yeah, I, I like the look of that front three in terms of the setup and um, personnel. TBC, I suppose. Yeah, no, it worked well. Um, and then unfortunately, we got to go to something that didn't work so well. Well, um, before so, we do, yeah. Ollie, we should just say at this moment in time, before this next moment happened, you'd have just tweeted. Um, <laughs> you just tweeted <laughs> Burgoyne has started really well and obviously we've had this discussion about Burgoyne haven't we on the podcast yeah. where I was convinced he was going to play at the end of last season we, we interviewed Ricketts and he, he did actually say to me that he was going to get him, give him a chance didn't obviously he's got his first chance to start on Saturday so I, I felt a little bit vindicated Ollie because I, I knew he was going to get a chance at some point and what happened within about two minutes of me saying I was vindicated <laughs> the next thing happened Ollie and go on I'll let you describe yeah. it and we'll talk about the t- definition of the word glindicated in a minute <laughs> yeah so um, across um, from the right side, um, from the Borough attacking on their right, over to their their left wing back, um, who had a shot come across. It wasn't. It was a bit of a basically a, a hit into the box, and um, yeah, Burgoyne kind of fumbles it three times, and it trickles over the net to make it one all. So first of all, he kind of knocked it back, then he hit his knee, then he hit his foot, then he tried to grab it, um, and it went over the line. And yeah, unfortunately, it was it was one all. Yeah, it was a very unfortunate goal, Ollie, and I, I felt really bad for him. To be fair, you know, making your professional football league debut, um, and you make a mistake as as bad as that. Did it, did it get given as an own goal in the end, Ollie? I forgot to check. I don't think it. I think it actually got given as a goal. <sighs> it's, um, it's very generous. Yeah, which is which is hard, which is a bit which is fortunate for Burgoyne. Yeah, mm. it was given by on Sky um, to Johnson, and I'm pretty sure that um, on BBC as well it was given to the player yeah because he clearly saved it and then knocked it back in off himself to be to be fair when you yeah. watch the replay back but ah oh, it, it was a open me up ground open me up kind of moment wasn't it it was it was horrible to watch yeah. to be fair and you know I, I was trying to think at the time me and my brother were having to think about it when was the last time a keeper made such an obvious terrible error um I couldn't remember anything Max O'Leary did that was completely stupid last season and um no. I was struggling to think about anything Joe Murphy did as well either I'm sure there were some horrible ones I've just forgotten and I do remember the one where Dean Henderson came to claim that cross and, and ended up kind of taking it back over the line himself didn't he that was one yeah. I do remember but I'm sure there must have been some goalkeeping errors <laughs> equivalent to that but just just a shame really and, and maybe let's be honest it unsettled him didn't it Ollie um he, he obviously played a bit of a ropey kind of half an hour and 45 minutes after that and before he recovered but yeah some good things I thought from him as a goalkeeper in general but not that not that moment let's be honest yeah there was it was unfortunate that he had that moment yeah um and then obviously then we will come on to another goal um but then other than that he he did some clearances and with both feet which is obviously encouraging he made a good save from a long range shot um so hopefully he can learn from it um yeah, it's um, and this for me is a great example of the perils of being on social media. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if being on social media is such a good thing for a footballer. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was an unfortunate um, way to concede. Let's put it that way. Well, we're not going to write him off after one game and a few mistakes. No, no, no. We'll, no, we'll no, talk no, about other mistakes as we and go. And it could on, make but... him stronger. Yeah, could and do. it was Ben Dudley um, made a re- great point that Chris Wheel made a bit of a mare um, and conceded four in his debut and went on to become Player of the Season. So that's what he can he can still obviously achieve that quite easily. Obviously, he let four in, and I, I put I think I was thinking how many times has a goalkeeper on debut let four in, and then someone remind me that. Our keeper last year let four in against Rotherham on the opening day, you know, the opening game, let four, four in straight away. Joe Hart did it on his debut and Chris Wheel did it on his debut. So it's unfortunately not quite very not quite as rare as you would hope, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah unlucky in some respects. But um, yeah, we'll come, to, we'll come to the next goal then. When we, but it didn't, it didn't seem to dispirit town in terms of conceding the goal. I think they would have been a bit frustrated because we'd probably had the better of the opening exchanges in some respects. But um, yeah, we, we continued to push on, didn't we? 
yeah, we did, we did. Um, and then and 10 minutes later, we were, we were still in the game. I think it's fair to say Edwards, yeah. you know, we had a high ball, um, long ball from high to the box, poor header by Borough. Wally wins the ball and plays it back to Edwards, who crosses it in. Um, defender misjudges it um, and it falls to Cummings, but unfortunately it gets cleared before we can kind of get to it. So we're still kind of um, creating chances and putting them under pressure. Um, and then unfortunately, 31 minutes in, um, Ebanks wins a header, another header. He won so many jewels yes, on Saturday, on Friday. Yep. Sorry, um, he wins the ball. Then it goes, but then Borough get it back. Goes to their left again. Their left wing back involved. Love jockeys in, but probably doesn't cover and doesn't stop the cross, which is a bit frustrating. Um, and then we don't know, like to be overly critical, but I think it's fair to say that Williams is a bit slow to react here. Um, and the ball kind of just goes past him um, to Fletcher, who has probably one of the easiest chances he's going to get all season, <laughs> and he puts it into the back. No, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, and yeah, we don't want to be too harsh on anyone during this game, but uh, you know, uh, if it's Williams and Pierre's in his position, I, I don't think we can see that goal. I think Pierre just gets across or shows his physical. Or Ebanks gets across. Yeah, yeah just show that physicality side, that yeah. Williams doesn't kind of have quite as much as, in some respects. But, I think we've talked about the centre backs. You know, Williams is going to offer the pace. And when we're playing against quick players, he's probably going to be the one that starts. Um, although Pierre's pretty rapid as well. Um, so I can still yeah. see them rotating around depending on the requirements of the game and maybe looking at how um, the, the Middlesbrough team lined up and, and the pace they had potentially going forward. Williams was the best pick in this game, even if uh, Pierre might have been fit. So unfortunate for, for Sean, he will come through that. He's, he's had a few knocks in his time, you know, the red card and some other mistakes he's made. But um, yeah, a, a sloppy goal to concede really more than anything. And um, yeah, suddenly we were down in a game we'd been doing well in, which was upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just a little bit of rustiness. Yeah, probably. On behalf of Williams. So, yeah, that was it. It was, and we were losing um, at half time. Um, and we went in at half time, not too despondent, um, but um, yeah, um, a little bit aggrieved that we'd kind of given away um, a, a lead from a fantastic goal so easily. It'd been a good watch, though, and you know, you, you couldn't yep. say too much about that. I went to Colum Chippy. Uh, highly recommended to everyone that lives in Shrewsbury, as usual. I think I've mentioned Conan Chip before. Lovely fish and chips. Um, got there and back in 15 minutes and just, I think I missed the first two minutes of the second half. So I had a nice half time, Ollie. And um, yeah, suddenly we, we were looking at um, Brad Walker turning into prime Pirlo, weren't we? As he plays yeah. a nice ball out from the right flank um, on the half volley. It was an amazing turn. <laughs> and just, yeah, um, Nidical said hoof then, but that's, that's, that's unfair. <laughs> but yeah, plays a really nice long ball out to, to about... On a half volley, half volley from a goalborne throw, um, and then yeah, Cummings comes in, has a shot, a bit of potential handball, but I think it was a bit, a bit too close to the player really to have a real genuine claim for handball, and then Borough clear the ball out of the way. No VAR as usual. Um, thank God. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't think it was. It would have been a pretty hard penalty, wouldn't it? To be fair, so um, that was it. I mean, I was going to ask you thinking about Walker. Then we were just talking about him because obviously we played Walker at the base and, and as we had Edwards and, and new boy High and um, I, what you know is. <laughs> On the basis of that one game, pretty harsh, I suppose. You know, is that something you'd be happy with long term, or are you thinking this was just a needs must for this game, Ollie? Or did they play well enough that you would turn around and say, actually, I'd rather give them a go on opening day? Yeah, I think well, obviously, you know, any player that has um, not the best start or has a few issues and stuff or doesn't really perform as you kind of expect always means you kind of maybe it's going to be harder then for them to kind of um, change their opinion, or for harder for him for me to see him as a first team regular. Uh. But, but I thought it was a good performance. Um, he, made, he did some really good bits. He's a bit clumsy at times sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, you know, six out of seven out of ten, I'd say. I'd, I'd happily give him a six and, and probably Edwards a six as well. I think that it was notable towards the end of his stint. I think Walker's 
legs went a little bit if I'm honest with you he looked a little bit leggy and, and couldn't quite keep up but I know he's not the quickest either so maybe that was just his, I think his that's normal, say normal everyone, pace yeah, everyone struggled uh, probably. a little bit with, and I was going to say same, same thing about Edwards as yeah. well the thing I noticed about Edwards is that he had a real period where his radar for passing was well off he played a couple of balls straight out of play and tried to find Cummings once and it was it was way off and again we're going to give all this down to rustiness but you know hopefully Dave will find his range again and, and, he, can, and he can play the sort of you know through balls and, and nice accurate passes that he usually does um to me, you know, I would like to see Goss thrown in there. I think Norburn's going to walk back into that that lineup. Looking at it, maybe it'll be High that keeps his place out of the three, which is surprising. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. There's definitely a battle on to nail down a, a first team place in those front three, and um, and we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? When you take these lone players on, particularly midfielders, because midfield and central defence being such um, key positions, you know, you normally make a mistake there. Um, you're going to get targeted and you're going to get punished. Um, so we didn't. Yeah, you never know whether High coming in is going to be. Is he a first team regular mm. or is he going to be another McCormick? You know, who's going to be on the, the fringes of the squad the whole year? Um, but he's coming and from that one game, I'd say he looks like he's going to be you know a first team regular. And I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get way into double figures and beyond um, this season. That's a big call though for a shooter midfielder, Ollie. <laughs> I know he's but got he one. looked good, didn't he? Yeah, I he thought did. High he looked did. really he good. He looked the most impressive of the three. I would give you that, and um, yeah. we'll come to that when we talk about our top threes, I suppose. Um, going on then in the game. Yeah. So where are we now? It was a confusing <laughs> game to keep a track on. Um, yeah, yeah. Goal uh, this time. It was three-one, Ollie. Um, yeah, little bit of an issue with Harry Burgoyne on this one. So yeah, yeah the Borough keeper played it out long. Um, Burgoyne came out of his box to clear it, but was so far out. He was playing right back, wasn't he? Right by the byline and, and got pressed. Um, and I think that press sort of sort of made him shank his clearance straight short along the ground. Um, and then yes, the, the ball came. It was a bit of a calamity the way this goal went in, but the ball came into one of the, the Middlesbrough players. Um, they got forward and then they had a long range shot and Burgoyne was out of position. He completely missed the ball. Luckily, it hit the post, came back, and then Fletcher sort of ran in on the goal and scuffed a ball that like, sort of bounced and yeah, rounded up, it didn't it? It was a terrible it was, finish, to be God, honest. It was but... awful. But, yeah, again, you know, people very easily can point fingers at Burgoyne there for, for coming out too far. But who knows what he's been told to do in that situation. I doubt he's been told to go and do that. But, um, you know, certainly wants to look to get out and play football maybe with his feet, which is more than maybe some keepers have had over the years. We'll have to see how that goes on. But, um, yeah, a very, very poor goal to concede. And to be 3-1 down in this game felt really harsh. Yeah, it was really harsh. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take too long for us to come back. Um, so, yeah... Um, a long ball forward from Burgoyne, um, it bounces um, and Pike uses his strength mm-hmm. um, to get on one-on-one and strokes the, the defender off um, and he gets a chance to, and he shoots wide. Oof, terrible. Um, and yeah, there's two important things on this for me on this point. is Well, three things. One, it showed his strength. Secondly, Burgoyne nearly got an assist. <laughs> um, and thirdly, um, yeah, it was that finish that we kind of maybe kind of Kem was going to expect given his his history of, of and his, his ratio mm. of goals to games. Mm. You know, a lot of the commentary on BBC Radio Shropshire was Carlton Morris this, Carlton Morris that, you know, what kind of a player mm. is, is Ricky or Pike? I, I, I kind of mentioned this to Mark Elliott. I didn't think that was the best comparison, to be honest with you. I'm still thinking no. about who's a better comparison, but um, he's way more mobile um, and he, he liked to, to do the game in a little bit different. You know, Morris was chest ball down knock it out whereas Pike came wide a couple of times and then played balls in and, and uh, you know it's just just a more dynamic player I think and if we're playing a dynamic front three I'd rather a Pike type player was in that than a, than a Carlton Morris who maybe wasn't quite as dynamic so um, I, I'm still thinking of still trying to find another striker to compare him to I'm sure I'll get to it eventually but yeah he did really well up for the strength bit and getting in on it but yeah a very very poor finish is he more of a Stefan Payne type striker maybe than a maybe you know. he's a bit more physical than Stefan Payne isn't he yeah it's hard to better. see yeah. on 
Yeah, be, you need to kind of see him in, in the flesh to kind of get a real sense yeah, of how, how, I, I how think tall he is and what his physicality is. But at that point, I was ready to write him off, Ollie, and call him another uh, Steve <laughs> Morrison. <laughs> but yeah. actually, you know, he Should did, have been 3-2. Should have been 3-2. Uh, and he did play work. pretty well across the game and, and was definitely better yeah. than Steve Morrison in his early performances. And again, I, you know, normally I'm quite harsh on strikers, Ollie, I think, is probably my number one thing on this podcast. But I give him a, a passing rating for this game and, and, you know, file it under. Looking forward to seeing more from him. Yep, um, and talking of Pike, um, so High finds him in the box, yes. really good positioning of his body, um, using his butt to kind of um, hold the <laughs> defender off. Um, really nice touch, turn and shoots wide, um, and that was that was a that was a really good opportunity he created himself, yep. um, which was good. Um, and then um, yeah, Town were having kind of a bit in the ascendancy at this point. Obviously, the with our heads didn't drop. Um, corner comes in, poor header from Borough, who made quite a lot of defensive errors and kind of didn't. They kind of got away with it, I think, a bit. They were rusty. In this result, yeah, they were rusty as well. Weren't um, they? Falls to Cummings, who controls the ball really well and just absolutely blasts it into the back of the net. Um, and that was his first goal since the Liverpool in the FA Cup um, to make it three-two. How long ago was that? That seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? And, yeah, uh, it does. It, really good for Cummings to get a goal on the first day of the season. Yeah. It starts him in such good fashion. And um, yeah, yeah I, I honestly think he's going to be our big player. I said I think he might end up being our player of the season just because he's a character and he'd all he need to do is score 15 goals and he probably would walk away with it. Um, so I honestly think he's he's due for a big season and it's going to be... Re- I, I'm more excited about seeing Jason Cummings and what he can do this season than anyone, even the new players. And you know, just a good finish. Natural goal goal scorers finished that. You know, knew where the ball was, dropped his shoulder, just saw the angles, fired it in there. You a lot to love about that goal. It looks easy, but that was a lot lot to love about it. And um he's off and running and we were back in the game. Yep. Also we thought um so yeah, free <laughs> kick conceded by Salah on the right flank. Um a bit of a uh, was coming gave away this free kick. Mm. Um basically they played it long into the box, bit of a floaty ball. Um it comes out, goes to um uh, a Borough player, he has a shot as a deflection and it goes in the back of the net. Harsh. And Yeah, and I think maybe we'll just talk about defence here. Um, defensively, so in this game we conceded a deflected shot, a fumble from a goalkeeper, um, a bit of an error from a goalkeeper and a, a shot which hit the post and the, the odds of it hitting that angle and coming directly to Fletcher yeah. are quite small, so unlucky there. And then, um, yeah, to have conceded four goals in this manner is, yeah, to say, uh, hopefully it's not going to happen, it's unlikely to happen too many times a season, touch wood. Mm. But, in general, you know, the defence played quite well, but you can see why it would be easier to beat, don't you? Do you know what I mean? You can see why there are going to be more avenues to get in to goal and and put balls into the box when we've got a a defender less heading it away. We're going to have to get used to that as fans, thinking we're going to look like we probably cough up more chances than we were last season, where we were really strong at the back. Um, But we're going to have to just enjoy the fact that it's going to give us the ability to counter teams and, and play on the front foot more. And where that balance falls out, we, we can't know yet, obviously. And we were talking all pre-season about, oh, well, this new change of tactical probably mean we score more and we concede more. And this first game of the season did provide that, but it wasn't. I don't yeah. think that was a fair reflection of what our tactics are going to be like on a week-by-week basis because some of the goals were a bit fluky. And, um, you know, we did make the, make the most of our you know chances. We didn't have a huge amount through the game, but we obviously scored three of them. So I, I, this game is very difficult to judge the tactical change on, I think, as a, as a one-off, yeah. and we need to get 10. From a defensive point of yeah. view, you For can't sure. draw too many conclusions because... Yeah, like the all four goals had some kind of asterisks next to them. It wasn't just like a yeah a good bit of play from Borough. Yeah, um, and Aaron offers so much more, doesn't he, at centre back? And so you know, yeah. without him, it's it's difficult to judge what the defence is going to be like this season. But yeah, letting four in was was not an ideal start to the season. But we did go on to get another one, and it came in very yeah. glorious fashion, Ollie. Yeah, 
And this is the goal of the season so far. Um, so, ben Hyde. Um, we win the... Um, I, yeah, they're very interesting. Yeah. That's a good point, isn't it? You've got, you almost got your two different types of goals mm. here. You've got your, your long-range screamer and your team goal. So this was 20 passes. Lovely. Um, so if this is if there's a fluidity kind of setting, this was up to 11. Um, <laughs> because we basically passed the ball all over the pitch, around the back, back again, then went forward. Um, and fluidity is so high with this team in this setup, and happened quite a few times, that Goldborn passed to Pike. Now, you might expect your left back to pass it left across the box, but no, but his, his position in the end was actually he, he passed it across the box from the right to the left. Yeah, amazing. Um, to Pike to pass into the back of the net, um, who got a bit of a knock. But I have to say, that was an absolutely glorious um, goal. And I will take claim that at um, one minute past seven, um, as soon as I saw that goal, I did do the hashtag Tiki Taka, but you potentially went one better than yeah. me. Yeah, Ricky Taka. Surely it's Ricky's Rick, it's Tiki Taka, isn't it? So Ricky Taka, um, which the, the football club tweeted out later on the next day, didn't they? So I'm claiming that one as well. Um, hopefully not having a hashtag stolen off me like the whole Dean Henderson hashtag love this team thing mm-hmm. a few years ago. So I'll <laughs> have to see how that goes. But um, yeah, it was a really good goal. Um, and, and yeah, bring, bring on some more of that this season. And I, I want to give credit to Pike because I thought he was really brave to go in there and he took the knock, but he, he wanted that goal. And again, another striker off the mark on opening day. That's fantastic news. Um, and yeah, I wanted to talk about Goldborn because we've not mentioned him, but he was bloody fantastic in this game and, yeah, and really, really seemed to like this tactic a lot more than being a wing back. You know, was defensively really solid, but really still got forward a hell of a lot. And uh, you know, maybe he was maybe the, the year of playing as a wing back has actually brought a little bit more to his game, even at his age where he's been well, maybe asked to go forward. I don't know how much he did it previously in his career, to be fair, but you know, he was yeah. he got a lot of practice at it last year, and, and even playing a more traditional fullback role, he was still able to get forward, but not give away his defensive solidity. So. Um, yeah, I thought he was fantastic in this game. Yeah, I think maybe we gave him a bit of a disservice in terms of his, you know, you don't play left back in the championship for Wolves no. unless you're a good footballer. Um, but I think it was the running and stuff and the, the wing back um, and he had to kind of cover and we weren't attacking going forward. Um, so it's hard to be too, over, even though we did do it, um, but it's too too critical to an individual mm. um, when we were so defensive. But yeah, Goldborn was absolutely superb, popping up all over the place. And it's maybe just worth doing this discussion now. Offensively, we were really intelligent. We had players going all over the place. Sometimes the fluidity and the movement from the players was exceptional. Yeah. Um, but one thing I noticed, and I noticed it more when I was watching back, um, doing the extended highlights and the prep for the pod, is that while Goldborn was kind of moving and drifting and players were drifting all the way, you always saw that the central midfielders, um, either High or Edwards, supporting Walker, always there protecting from the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting to see um, that while we're having all this fluidity, obviously we're not, hopefully, and you'd expect, um, and this probably will come back to bite me, but yeah, the team is obviously then preparing and getting ready for counter-attacking as well. So it just shows there's a lot of coaching going into this team. Um, and after one game, I was pleased with our attacking play. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said there. I won't add too much more to that. I was just thinking a bit again about Goldborn there as we were talking. Is One thing I'll give Goldborn credit for, he's not the youngest player on our books, is he? But I can't think of a no. single time where I've ever thought, oh, Goldborn's legs have gone. He's yeah, bloody no. fit for his age, isn't he, to be fair? Yeah. And that's why he's able to play the game he's still playing now, You know, getting up, even though he's, he's he's probably one of the older members of the squad. And yeah, his natural fitness must be really high. I think, you know, we yeah. can send, again, Make sure maybe, his natural fitness is high in football manager. I will, going, I'll have to up that. But yeah. But his stamina and fitness stats <laughs> up. Uh, but he did really well. And also, for me, it's just great to have that experience in the side yeah. because, yeah, he seems like an experienced pro and the kind of 
Yes, he's a, he's a good player. I like him, and and maybe you know left wing left back um, isn't the kind of the the need that maybe we were talking about on the prediction pod. Mm. And so it was four three, um, seventy three yeah. minutes ish. I suppose left left to get left, gone in the game, and thought could we get that chance to to really get back into it? I thought past this point. Subs on both sides of the team maybe took a little bit out of the game, didn't it, Ollie? And obviously we got we got. Adele um, did all right, there, didn't he? He no, came on after the goal um, for Pike. I'm not saying that um, the players that came on didn't do well for their little cameos. I think that you talked about the fluidity, Ollie. I think Adele, Daniels, and Fossey all showed they could come in and, and provide uh, more fluid football. All, all three of them are really sort of you know dynamic players. Again, we, we talked about dynamism last season in a different way, but um, we're talking about it players actually having it this season so I was impressed with all of the ones that came on but I don't think we really created too many clear-cut chances no there wasn't a clear-cut chance nor did there was really... a doe did that one turn and shot yeah, yeah. Um, but that was about it Begoy really. made a couple of saves from long range but that was about it really yeah. the game kind of petered out and uh, unfortunately didn't get back for 4-4 in penalties and Burgoyne could have redeemed himself in penalties that would have been fine but Unfortunately, we talk about all these positives, Ollie. Unfortunately, the net result is we're out of the League Cup for the first time of asking for the fourth season in a row, which is a bit of a crap record now recently because we had some good times under Mellon in, 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 the, in the Cups and, and previous to that in, under a couple of other managers. But yeah, Askey and Ricketts' League Cup hasn't been particularly stellar, has it? No, but do you care? I would do. I, you know, I like I like the Cups. I like a run in the Cups. And, you know, it's early season. We could easily have won that game. You know, Middlesbrough were there to... to you know to... me, Glenn. I'm pragmatic <laughs> when it comes to these miserable. things sometimes. Um, no, so I'd like to have a go but, in the Cups. Oh, so think... it's, an imp- it's an impressive point that Northampton will have to play an extra game um, before they play us. So we'll play Portsmouth and then they'll have to play another game and they're playing Bristol City. Mm. So um, a couple of days before they play us in the league, they'll have to go and um, play Bristol City away. There's no, there's no argument as to whether that would be good or bad for them. Do you know what I mean? It might be another game of seasoning and getting to know them a bit more, or it might tire them out. Who knows? We'll, f- we'll find out, won't we, before we play them, I guess. But, yeah. Um, yeah, who knows whether that's a good or a bad thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like us to have a go in the Cup. I can't say we didn't have a go in the Cup, so that's fine. It was certainly better than losing 4-1 to Rotherham at home last season. So it was an improvement in performance over result, I suppose. So, unfortunate. Um, but, you know, Sam Ricketts is an FA Cup specialist, isn't it? So, um <laughs> We'll look forward to getting yeah. through to the fifth round of the FA Cup and forget about this cup soon. <laughs> yeah, so maybe just with a few things just to close off, really, I guess, on this game. So, yeah, so Daniels came on and played in central midfield for Edwards. Yeah. Um, which surprised me. I was trying to figure out where he was playing, then I realised he was playing central midfield. He's number eight, apparently, um, according to his latest interview. He's been changed from a winger to a number eight since he joined the football club. He said that in an interview on Thursday um, to an Irish newspaper. So I don't expect him to be playing as a winger. He's, he's probably going to be playing midfield as well, Ollie. Okay, yeah. interesting. Interesting thing to watch. Um, yeah. And then, um, then Fossey came on after eighty-two minutes um, for love. Um, so he came on. And he looked quite good. Um, I'd say fair to say. Um, but I think maybe just a few things just to kind of close off. Um, so before we move, maybe just have a bit of discussion about what kind of like take some positives from this game. I thought interesting. The team didn't seem to didn't seem to be any impact of not having any fans. So no. obviously Borough had their restart and got used to this. For me, it didn't really seem to impact on Shrewsbury at all. No. The game also didn't feel like it was lacking any fight or, or passion. No. It didn't feel like a pre-season game. It felt like a proper competitive game. So I was pleased yeah. with that. Um, yeah, it's crap not having any fans there, but it didn't seem to affect the flow of the game and, and how we no. played. Um, obviously, the tactical change affected what we watched a lot more. So, yeah, I, I didn't think our, our players reacted neg- negatively to it at all. I suppose maybe it'd be different at home, but we'll, we'll find out, won't we, I guess? And one question for you, Glenn. Um, do you think if this game, if we were a bit at home... Do you think that twenty of got that twenty pass sequence would have um, come from some kind of grunts and moans from the crowd if we were passing the ball like that? Not, not in the not on the first game of the season, but maybe 
Maybe in November, if we were 18th, it might have done. <laughs> but it depends if it works, Ollie. If it works and you score a goal, no one grumbles. So, um, yeah, I, I don't no. think it would have done, to be honest. I think something, just something, something to keep an eye on, isn't it, as we go in when yeah. fans are allowed back in. Who knows? Um, and I think it's something maybe the fans just need to maybe need to um, bear in mind that we are going to play in this way going forward. We're yep. not just going to be hoofing it forward. Well, why not? Everyone asked for it last season. I don't think anyone's going to grumble about us trying to attack and not being quite as defensively solid for, for, a, <laughs> while, for a while. There's every opinion under the sun, isn't there, on the fan base? <laughs> yeah, so, there is. Yeah. We shall try to reflect it as the season goes on, but um, there we go. In terms of top threes, Ollie, I'll, I'll give you mine. I went. For, I was really strong on Cummings. I went for Cummings, number one. Um, but, you know, these three that I've named in my top three are all pretty close. I went for Goldborn, two, and Pike, uh, three. High, I would have put in the top four, well, top three. He probably would have been my fourth. It was so difficult between those three, but um, for me, I went for those. Yeah, I'm, I went for High because I think... The context of his his, um, his first team debut, debut yes, for Shrewsbury, yeah. um, and it was an absolute wonder strike. And also, um, he was really good. There was two players actually, well, three players that stood out for me more watching it back. So um, Ebanks really stood out, Great. Yeah. high really stood out, and also Goldburn's passing and, and stuff put out really kind of stood out. So for me, I went high first, then Gold, um, Goldborn second, and Pike third because I thought he did a really good shift. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of others um, from fans. So Lewis went for Pike, Goldborn, and Cummings. Um, and then Guy went for Pike, Cummings said hi. Um, interestingly, Lewis Cox did respond in, to my, my tweet and he said he'd put Ebanks in there as well. I think it's worth just saying that he did really well. Yeah, I think that's fair. One of the last things I wanted to point out was, Ollie, how many times at the start of last season were we sort of worrying about how, how low our percentages were in a game? You know, 39% of the game of the ball, eight, you know, 38%, you know, 41 We had 57% of the ball against Middlesbrough yeah. in the first round of the cup away from home. So that's pretty mental, isn't it, to be fair? And again, yeah. it does completely show that we shouldn't probably focus on that so much because <laughs> we're still lost. So there we go. Um, but, you know, encouraging signs that they want to get on the ball, hold the ball, play the ball, control the pace against a championship team is certainly yeah. something to, to look positively on, I think. Yeah, and we had more shots and more corners and then as I well. Know, crazy. Um, so, yeah, they were a little more accurate in terms of shots on target, um, but that's what you kind of expect from a championship team. Quality, so, yeah. Yeah. So, to guess to finish off this game, what did um, what did Sam Ricketts say? He said, we wanted to win the game. We came here um, and we put in a winning performance. We could have done better with all of the goals, um, but mm. we haven't played a competitive <laughs> game since March. I think that's a fair comment to yep, say, to be yep. honest. Um, you can see the intent of what we're trying to do and we have to keep going. And we scored three, but we should have scored more. We have to brush up on those end, but you can see the intent. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of Scott High, he said, Scott High scored a great goal. He scored against Burnley last week as well. He, um, we did a lot of finishing and training last week, and you can probably see that in the finishing of the game. I mm. mean, um, he says Scott High certainly got some ability um, from shooting from distance, um, and the goal was a great way to mark his professional debut. And that's why I put him number one, because to come in, play that well, um, in terms of off the ball as well and he's quite quick as well yeah. he's got quite a good engine in him um, but to have that goal um, to have that composure um, to do it at Borough was fantastic totally fair I, I completely agree with that and um, yeah good good post-match from Ricketts I think um, so I suppose it just means where, where are we at now I suppose where, in terms of the rest of the season so obviously we've got Portsmouth next Saturday um, which will be on iFollow again for anyone who wants to watch it um, and then we've got a stupid EFL trophy game that I couldn't give a hoot about on Tuesday night Um and then we'll have our first home game, hopefully, if everything goes right, the, the Saturday afterwards against Northampton, wouldn't we? So games are going to start coming thick and fast, as you said, Ollie, um, starting next Saturday. But uh, you, you asked Brian, really, for an update, didn't you, on, on what's going on in terms of getting fans in? Because obviously I did my interview with Mike Davis. Um, we talked about all the policies and procedures and rules and what we're planning to do. But then, you know, it's been a week now and maybe a week and a half and we've had no real update from the club other than the survey. So, you know, where's Brian at, at the moment? Any, anything new to add to what we've, we've talked about before? Yeah, so I emailed Brian and as, uh, as he is always, he replies, replies to, every, to everyone. Um, so I said to Brian, so, you know, will we have fans 
um, in the ground um, for the Northampton game. So obviously we're playing Pompey away next week in the first league game. Then we've got Northampton at home the week after. And he said, I wish I knew the answer. I keep pushing the <laughs> EFL, who are pushing the government. But my, wor- my worry is we're running out of time to get yeah. everything done, mainly ta- uh, mainly ticketing, but he'll mm. keep pushing. Um, and he said, yeah, basically, and I went back and just said, I just checked, we could <laughs> we could announce this on the podcast. He said, yeah, no problem. He said, we're pushing and pushing. Um, we're just waiting for the green light um, to do the pilot. Um, so the club are really trying to get that Northampton game um, so we can go in. And yeah, I think it'd be fantastic if we can go to the to the meadow on, on, on for the Northampton game. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it slipping, uh, and particularly because of the ticketing arrangements. If they said we can do a pilot four days beforehand, it's pretty pointless because we are never going to sort out our fan base and bubbles and tickets in that period of time. I think, let's be honest, with a club of our stature and the amount of staff we've got working at the moment, we need a week at least to sort that out. So um, maybe it'll be that next game. I think it's Gillingham, the next home game after that, isn't it? So maybe it'll be the Gillingham game will be our trial. But, you know, I don't blame the club. I don't blame the, the sports layers and officers. It's the government needing to make a decision. I noticed at the end of last week they did give one league club an opportunity to have fans in, didn't they, for their Carabao Cup game? I can't remember what it was now. Brighton had some, yeah. but it was it was a, it was a league club as well. I can't remember what it was now. But so yeah, the, I saw that, but I can't for life yeah, remember who it was. Things, I want to say Lincoln, but I'm wrong. Um, so things are moving, but it's just be a case of us waiting for either us to be top of the list to have a pilot, or for for the whole of the football league to get the chance to have some pilots and go back to to doing the social distance football. But if it happens for week on Saturday, Cambridge United was it Cambridge? There you go. And it was over that way somewhere. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I hope we get in for Northampton. But if it's another few games on I follow, then Salah V will still cover it, won't we, Ollie? Yeah, it was. So yeah, it's good to be back. Good to yeah. talk about football again. Nice to talk about some positives. So we lost, but for me, there's plenty of positives to take from the game, and um, plenty of things to look forward to. Um, yeah, I imagine there'll be a few more signings, um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to more, watching more football again. And while I do love football and obsessive football. Um, there's nothing better than watching your own team play no exactly and we got to see it so yep glad to be back watching Blue and Amber and uh, yeah season is starting Ollie let's see where it takes us and we will catch you all next Sunday cheers guys (laughs) 